Welcome to the podcast for Salem Baptist Church, where the senior pastor is Reverend Dr. Selwyn Q. Bacchus. Salem is located at 3131 Lake Street in Omaha, Nebraska, 68111. This podcast has been created as a mobile companion to your engagement with Salem. Whether you use it to listen to a service you are unable to attend or to revisit a sermon, we pray that this podcast will serve as a source of motivation and connection to a word-centered and spirit-led church that cares about your journey. Be sure to turn on your alerts as we deliver a variety of content to you. Don't miss out on church services, interactive Bible studies, and special interviews all here on Salem's podcast. Share the podcast with a friend or family member. Listen as you have your morning coffee, daily exercise, or travel to work. No matter when you are listening, we pray this episode blesses you. Everybody, we got a song for the church choir. <laughs> Singing about somebody that we call that man Jesus. Come on, clap your hands, everybody. Come on. <laughs> this one for the church choir. Come on, I search. Come on, all over. Come on, trying to find. Someone, but in my search, I was faced with reality. Come on, that no one, come on, could ever match. Come on, why no one can do? No one has shown a greater love. Come on, everybody, there is. Come on, no one. We're singing about that blessed Savior. Come on, what's his name, y'all? On this one, come on, David, sing it. He showered down his love from heaven up above. He died on Calvary just to save you and me. And when I think about the things he's done and where he has brought me from, I lift my hands to say, say? The Lord will make a way. Christianity and slavery were long intertwined. While masters believed that their religion could be used to pacify their slaves, African Americans transformed Christianity 
and created a new culture that would serve as the foundation of their freedom struggle. The oldest independent African-American denomination is the African Methodist Episcopal Church, founded in Philadelphia in 1794 by Richard Allen, the formerly enslaved black man who purchased his own freedom. Black religious leaders such as Reverend Allen took a strong abolitionist stance, even helping slaves escape through the Underground Railroad. During the Civil War, some served as army chaplains, and once the war ended, many mobilized black political participation. Some even held public office. The black church provided leadership opportunities for men and women who by and large were in subservient positions in the workforce. And so all of these preachers doing work in the black church have been critical to giving black people a space to envision that a different world is possible. The late 1800s saw a dramatic proliferation of black churches, and the church remained central to black life through the 20th century, particularly at the height of the civil rights movement. In the 1960s, the church is playing a much more overtly militant and political role in terms of trying to organize people to defeat Jim Crow, end racism, and also to promote economic equality. The tradition of black religious leaders shepherding the freedom struggle reached its pinnacle, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Dr. King fused religion, nonviolent resistance, and the prophetic tradition to challenge Jim Crow, while invoking the musical legacy of the spirituals that enslaved African Americans had created. Today, the black church remains a fundamentally important institution in the black community. The black church has had to be everything to black people because American society was unwilling to do so. Today, we don't need the church to do the same things for us, but do I think the church is still a relevant institution? Absolutely. It is the place that you can come and rebuild your spirit after you deal with the spiritual assault on black life that many African Americans experience because of enduring histories of racism and discrimination.
that the Lord is blessing us right now. <clears throat> we thank you for joining us in worship on this Sunday morning as you join us in uh, the virtual sanctuary of the Salem Church. We are grateful and blessed that you have joined us on today. We praise God for your presence and we pray and believe that this word and worship experience will be a blessing to you on today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we invoke and invite his presence. Again, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to see another day of worship. Lord, you did not have to do it, but we praise you today that you did, that you kept all hurt, harm, 
and danger from us and we are grateful for your presence for your power and for your protection and even now as we join in worship we pray as we worship you in spirit and in truth that you would bless our time together that we might be encouraged and we might be in uh, that we might be strengthened by this time of worship and the proclamation of the word and we ask this now in the name of our resurrected and living savior jesus the christ and the people of god said together amen and amen we're going to ask the music and fine arts ministry to lead us further in worship at this time Trust in God. You can depend on Him. 
we serve a God who has never failed us yet. And even when it looks like he's failed us, we look into the rear view mirrors of our lives, we realize that he has never failed us yet. We've come to the moment in our worship experience on today that we are to go to the Lord in prayer corporately and individually. We certainly want to remember our country's leaders at this time as misjudged and mistaken as many of them are. Bible tells us as Paul writes to his protege Timothy that we are to pray for kings and those who are in authority so we pray for folk even when they're right and even when they're wrong so we want to pray for our country's leaders that they might, as the prodigal, as we talked about on last Sunday, would come to themselves. But specifically, those who are a part of our church family, church community, who have requested our prayers, we want to remember Sister Acra Cooper, Brother Morris Sanders, Sister Candace Graham, the niece of Deacon James Brewer, Sister Betty Jo Hill, Sister Gloria Morrison, Sister Dorian Stanfield, Deacon Bruce Green, Deacon Anthony Hadley, <clears throat> Brother Brandon Jemison, Reverend Eulish Moore, Brother Frank Stewart Sr., Brother Ed White. We want to remember those who have lost loved ones, those who are bereaved and grieving. Uh, the family of Brother Larry Chandler, his homegoing will be on, at 12 noon on tomorrow, Forest Lawn. Sister Joyce Riley and Brother Kenneth Moore and the loss of their brother, Philip Moore. Sister Ernie Boykin and the loss of her sister, Arthelia Thompson. Brother Robert Holtz, the last living Tuskegee Airmen in, uh, in the state of Nebraska well as Sister uh, Kena Watson DeBerry and the lost, uh, loss of her sister-in-law Judith Cook, Sister Frances Henderson and the loss of her mother O.C. Robinson. Certainly we remember those whose names have been called but there are certainly others as well who desire and deserve our prayers at this moment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Lord, we are grateful and we are thankful for all that you've done, for your many and varied blessings. Lord, we love you on today because your word reminds us that you first loved us. And while we were aliens and while we were sinners you displayed your love toward us that Christ died for us your word declares that it is not often that someone would lay down their life for a friend and 
yet, God, you allowed Jesus Christ to lay down his life for sinners and wretches undone like each and every one of us gathered here on today. And so, God, we lift your name because you and you alone are worthy of our praise, our worship, and our adoration. Lord, we know even since the last time we have gathered for worship, we've come short of your glory and of your will for our lives, and therefore, we lay our sins at your feet and at your throne. We confess them because we know we are imperfect and finite beings. And God, we only have salvation and eternal life because of your love for us, because of your mercy and your grace. And so, God, we ask you to forgive us. We thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, if we look back just over the last 24 48 and 7, 72 hours of our lives, how you've protected us with wind chills at 20 below. God, you gave us somewhere to sleep. You gave us a roof over your head, clothing over our heads, clothing for our bodies, food for the nourishment of our bodies. God, those things that we take for granted on today, we want to say thank you. The saints would say you didn't have to do it, but you did. And for that, God, we want to say thank you for what we call minor blessings, God. We want to say thank you. For shoes on our feet, we say thank you. For a coat for our bodies, we say thank you. For a hat for our heads, we want to say thank you. For a home that keeps out the chilly winds that are blowing, we want to say thank you. For the things that we overlook day by day we want to say thank you for food on our tables we want to say thank you for being clothed and in our right minds when what we've experienced could have driven us crazy we thank you And Lord, even when we don't take care of ourselves, as the saints would say of old, we thank you for a reasonable portion of our health and our strength. And so God, we thank you. And we lift those whose names have been called, those who are grieving and bereaved and those who are suffering the sensation of loss and separation from those that they love so dearly. Lord, your word promised, and we believe it is true, 
that your spirit, your Holy Spirit would comfort us and console us. And Lord, I'm a living witness that although how difficult it is even now, that you will do that very thing. For those who are sick and shut in, and for those who are caring, for those who are ailing and ill, we pray that you would give them all strength. And Lord, in the midst of it all, we believe what your word says in Romans, that all things are yet working together for the good of those who love you and are calling, called according to your purpose. So we lift our prayers uttered and those unexpressed to you now in the name of Jesus Christ and the people of God said together, amen and amen. We thank each of you for gathering with us in worship on today. Uh, we know it's Valentine's Day and so happy Valentine's Day to everyone who is watching or listening. Amen. Whether your boo is with you or not, happy Valentine's Day. Enjoy the day. If you're in Omaha, Nebraska, stay in the house because it's about 15 below outside. So uh, I know y'all going out anyway, but my advice is to stay in the house. Um, again, we thank you for your presence and for your prayers, for your inspiration for your encouragement for your support uh, we uh, continue to say to you uh, that we are watching closely what's going on across the state of Nebraska and Douglas County and across the country we know the vaccination is being rolled out the vaccinations are being rolled out and uh, the numbers are currently beginning to decrease um, and we're watching it closely we um, continue to be abundantly safe. We pray for your patience and your, prayer, your prayers, your support, and your understanding as we continue to work at reopening uh, for in-person worship. I say this each and every time I remember to do so, uh, that things will be different initially. Uh, we are facing a new normal, and we pray, for, again, for your prayers, your understanding your support, and your patience. Uh, we miss you dearly and deeply. Look forward to seeing your faces uh, as soon as possible. We continue to thank you for your uh, support and uh, for your prayers. We thank you for each and every Salem member who continues to support financially, continues to display their faithfulness and their stewardship. And for our ministry partners, we re received a few uh, cards and notes this, just this last week uh, from persons uh, in Omaha and somebody, I believe, from California who uh, uh, worships with us as we lead and worship from the Salem Church. And so we thank you for the members of Salem who have continue to be faithful and to our ministry partners who are technically uh, not members of the Salem Church but 
uh, believe in the ministry of the Salem Church and believe that uh, this ministry is good soil uh, in which to uh, sow their financial seeds. And so we thank you and we invite our ministry partners to continue to do so. We're grateful for you wherever you might be. Again, continue to, we uh, continue to rem, uh, remind you of the different platforms uh, by which you, may be, uh, you might be able to continue to your faithful uh, giving. Uh, you can mail your tithe and offering to the Salem Church at 3131 Lake Street, Omaha, Nebraska, 68111. Uh, you can, from 9 to 5 on Monday through Friday, bring your tithe and offering just outside the administrative office. There is a secure tithe and offering box where you can bring your tithe and offering. You can give through our uh, website at salembc.org, through PayPal, through Venmo, through Cash App, uh, and through the Giveify app. And again, just in uh, a couple of weeks, a few weeks at most, you'll be able to give by text. And so we again thank you for your uh, past giving, and we thank you in advance for your continued giving. So glad Again, so grateful for your support, uh, not only financially, but uh, so many who have encouraged our leadership, our staff, and the pastor um, in uh, these unprecedented times. We look forward uh, soon to see you, uh, so continue to keep us in your prayers. We're going to ask the Music and Fine Arts Ministry to come at this time and lead us further in worship. Come on, let's praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, clap your hands wherever you are, and we give thanks to the God who reigns and has all power in his hands. This month of February, we acknowledge as our Black History Month, and we are so grateful for the sacrifices and contributions of those who have paved the way for us to be where we are today. And we specifically today want to honor some of our great gospel songwriters. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be kind of paying tribute to some of the greats, such as James Cleveland and um, the crowd, uh, Andre Crouch, um, on down to the Hawkins and several others, and kind of take you up to today to some of our legends who are, are living today. And we're grateful for what gospel music has done um, during um, the life of not only the church, but in the civil rights movement um, that helped to uh, pave the way for African Americans to have, you know, voting rights and 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 fair housing rights. And we're so grateful. Come on, wherever, wherever you are, let's give God praise for the contributions of those who have paved the way. Hallelujah. There's a simple song that James Cleveland brought to us that simply says that God never fails. Come on, everybody, God, no, God never. Come on, sing it with the church. God never. never he abides. He abides with me. He gives me victory. Gives me victory. For, For God never fails. Never Come on, just keep the faith. Just keep the faith. And never cease to pray. Just walk just upright. Morning. morning He'll, be He'll be there. He'll be there. There's no need. There's no we sing for God. Never. Let's say it again. Come on. God never. Come on. Raise your voice. 
your voice and say, God, never. He abides. He gives me victory. For God. Never fail. We say, just keep the faith and never cease to pray. Come on, just walk upright. Morning, noon, day, or night. to do it for you. Come on, let's say it again. Come on. We say, Lord, do it. Yes, Lord. Lord we say, do it. Do it for me. Come on, we declare this morning. Everybody tell them, say, Lord, do it. Lord, do it for me. Yeah, do it for me. Come on, right now. Come on, I need my Salem Mass Choir to say it with us, wherever you are. Come on. Say, Lord, do it. Come on, my Loretta Taylors and my Mercedes Bullets. Come on, y'all say it with us. Come on. Say, Lord, do it for me. Yeah. Say, do it for me. Bill Jordan, I know you're sitting on the couch watching, but I need you to say, Lord, do it for me. Yeah. You got to say it with me. Come on. Say, do it for me. Yeah. Do it for me. We say right now. Lord, only you can do it for me. Do it for me. The winds, the ways, we say obey thy will. Come on, the Lord stepped out on me, he said peace. He said peace. Say, where the, the wrath of the storm toss, toss sheets. Come on, or demon, or men, whatever, whatever, whatever is. Say no water. Lord's will. 
come on, the Lord stepped up and said, he said, peace. Oh, peace. He said, peace, oh. If you need it right now, say peace. He's able to grant us peace. We say peace. Come on, here it is. Wherever the Lord. Come on, we say there'll be peace. Come on, we say peace. Come on, say whatever the Lord. Come on, in your home right now. Wherever you go, peace, oh. As we prepare for this moment, I want to personally thank our music and fine arts ministry, uh, our tech ministry, our sound ministry, um, all of those who continue to allow us to uh, lead in worship, even under these conditions, and uh, we are grateful for them. As cold as it was, I, as it is on today. Thought I was going to have to sing solos with Montague playing, but we thank God uh, for our praise team coming out on today, even in this frigid weather. We're going to ask you to turn with us again in your Bibles, on your tablets, on your devices, to the New Testament, the Gospel as recorded by Luke. Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 25. Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 25. And the word of God reads, Now his oldest son was in the field, 
And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I want to talk today for a few minutes by the help of God and the Holy Spirit from this simple subject, lost at home. Lost at home. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at and lingered in Luke chapter 15. In this chapter, we find a collection of parables Jesus used to respond to a group of self-righteous Pharisees and scribes. And he used these same, parable, same parables to reach out to a seeking group of tax collectors and sinners that believed they needed to be saved. Jesus was seeking to inform the scribes and Pharisees that the Lord valued and loved the lost. And he was seeking to share with the tax collectors and sinners that the Lord loved them and wanted them to be saved. Along with those lessons, he was trying to open the eyes of the scribes and Pharisees that they were lost and they didn't even know it. You see, these scribes and Pharisees were murmuring and complaining and grumbling that Jesus, a well-respected rabbi and teacher, was spending time with the marginalized and maligned citizens of society. And so Jesus, always wanting to clearly communicate the principles of his ministry, uses parables. He uses allegorical allusions to teach, uh, to teach the touching lessons he, wish, he wished to convey. So initially in Luke chapter 15, he speaks of the caring shepherd that has one sheep that has strayed away from the flock. Because the shepherd valued that sheep so deeply he left the other 99 in the flock and pursued the one lost sheep 
Then he rejoiced when the one lost sheep was found. He then trans transitions to the parable of the lost coin. He tells of a woman with a 10-piece garland of silver coins who loses one of the 10 coins. This woman, after having lost that coin, lights a lamp and then passionately sweeps her house and searches carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she invites her friends and her neighbors to rejoice with her because the one lost coin has now been found. And on last week, we focused on the initial portion of this third parable in Luke chapter 15. It focuses on a lost son that is restored. It is the story of a father and two sons. The youngest of those two sons demands his inheritance and goes to a far country where he squanders his inheritance on riotous and wasteful living. Then he is so debased and dishonored and desperate that he lowers himself to a job feeding pigs. This was an act that disrespected all of the religious and cultural teaching he had experienced in his life. But the Bible says at his lowest point, at his lowest level, he came to himself. He decided I would turn home and offer to become one of my father's servants. And when he returned home, his father, overcome with emotion, hugged him and kissed him and instructed his servants to bring the most valued robe and place it upon him. And uh, to put a ring on his finger and bring sandals for his feet. And then he declares, it is time for us uh, to uh, bring the fatted calf to be slaughtered because this his youngest son was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And this is where we find ourselves in this section of scripture on today. You see, normally, we end our observation of this section of scripture at the focus, at the joyous occasion of the younger son's return. And we focus on the celebration that ensues. And if we do so, we miss an awesome opportunity to learn all of the lessons that Jesus wishes to convey in this 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Because he concludes this section of Scripture with the second portion of the parable about the father and his two sons. We often contemplate and concentrate on the lost son that is restored, but we sometimes overlook and omit the characteristics and negative qualities of the older son that was lost 
even though he never left home. And I want to suggest that as Jesus is using these parables in Luke chapter 15 to rebuke the scribes and Pharisees and reach uh, the tax collectors and sinners, we have not received the full lesson if we don't take a moment to look at the older son who was unaware that he was lost. You see, that is a part of the purpose of these lessons. Jesus is communicating that, yes, uh, these tax collectors and sinners are lost and need to be found, but he also wants to suggest that the self-righteous scribes and Pharisees are lost and need to be saved as well. And the problem is the sinners and tax collectors know they need to be saved, but the scribes and Pharisees don't. Understand, before we move forward, these parables have a common thread and theme. Think about it, Luke chapter 15. A lost sheep that the shepherd pursues until he finds it. Then you have a lost coin that the woman lights a lamp and sweeps and hunts until she finds it. And then there is the lost younger son who after disrespecting his father travels to a far country, spends his resources in riotous and wasteful living and yet that last parable has a different resolution. The father does not search or pursue the younger son. He, he, he does not, as the shepherd and the woman with her lost coin, pursue. No, no. The Bible says the younger son returns on his own. And we miss the continuity of these parables if we overlook the fact that after the older son hears the celebration occurring on behalf of the youngest son's return, the father has to go out of the house and pursue and find the older son. You see, he's never left home, but he's just as lost as his younger brother. He's lost. And he doesn't know that he needs to be found. Oh, what a perilous position this older brother finds himself in. Lost, but he never left home. Just as those scribes and Pharisees, lost, but never left home. In a sense, they are lost and have never left the temple in the shadow of the Spirit of the Lord, and yet they've never experienced the saving power of the Lord. So we look at this older son who is a prototype and paradigm of the scribes and Pharisees. Lost and never left home. Let's look at this older son. We look at this older son who's lost at home, and we see he was focused 
on his performance. Let's notice again. The younger son comes to himself and returns home. The father, rightly so, seeing his younger son, realizes that in the eyes of the community and his culture has been declared dead and was now alive again. And truly, he had been lost and was now found. It was time to commence a celebration. And yet, there was a conflict in the family. Listen to the text with me again, beginning at verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what uh, these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. The oldest son was angry and would not go in. And therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandments at, at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. Listen to this older son. He begins to refer to his performance as the perfect son and the perfect servant. He says, I've never transgressed your commandments. I've done all that you've asked me to do. He was focusing on his performance. Now, I want you to pause right here in your mind and in your spirit and listen to what I'm getting ready to say. Because you can only focus on your performance when you're able to compare it to someone else's flaws, faults, and failures. Let me say it again. You can only focus on your performance when you're able to compare it to someone else's flaws, faults, and failures. We're not worshiping together, but the church is quiet. I can't hear nobody saying amen. The older son could only brag on his performance when he compared his life to the life decisions of his younger brother. He could make these de declarations about himself only when he looked down his nose as his, at his younger brother. Now, I hate to say this because it's going to convict all of us. But he could only brag on his restraint because his younger brother could not resist the temptations of the world. And all of us can look good when we compare ourselves to another person who's failed and fallen. Church is real quiet. All of us can look good when we compare ourselves to another person who's failed and fallen. We can all refer to our performance in life when we could compete against other people who are weak and wearied by temptation. 
weak and wearied by the inducements and impulses of life. We can all puff our chest out and hold our heads high when we compare ourselves to our neighbor, our friends, and our kinfolk. We can all focus on our performance when we evaluate ourselves against damaged and defective people. But that's no reason to brag and boast and blow your own horn. Talk to me when you compare your performance to the Lord. Let me say it again. Talk to me when you compare your performance to the Lord because when you compare your performance in life to the Lord you will quickly come to grips with uh, the awareness of your limitations, your finitude your shortcomings your inadequacies and your imperfections oh yeah you look good when you compare yourself to me but when you look at your life in light of the Lord's holiness and perfection, you will quickly repeat the words of the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, he says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Oh, yes, this older brother focused on his performance because he's compared himself to the failures of his younger brother and not to the Lord. I'm going to let you think about that for just about three seconds. We all look good when we compare ourselves to those who have fallen and failed. Our performance is exemplary when we compare it to other people. Oh, but if you want to prove something to me about your performance, compare yourself to the Lord. And so we see this older brother who was lost even though he was at home because he was focused on his performance but then he was blinded by his pride. Now I want you to notice the content of this older son's conversation with his father. He specializes in using personal pronouns in his dialogue with his father. In other words, when the older son spoke, it was all about him. Listen to the text again, beginning at verse 25. Now his oldest son, son was in the field, and as he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked uh, what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, he would not go in, therefore his father came out and plead with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And never, and you never, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. I hope you will listen to what I just said. 
Listen. I, I, me, I. The father is speaking with this older lost son who never left home. But take notice of his personal pronouns. I, I, me, I. Let, let me say it again in case you didn't get it. His father is having a conversation with him, pleading with him. And yet the older son could only use personal pronouns of pride. I, I, me, and I. Now, understand this youngest brother who was dead and now was alive, who was lost and is now found, but understand all this older brother is concerned about is himself. And his pride will not allow him to recognize that his father is full of joy, not only because the older son has been faithful, but his father is full of joy because his youngest son has been found. This older son is full of pride because of what he's done on his own. He's proud because of his faithfulness proud because of his loyalty. He's proud because of his commitment. He's proud because of his devotion, fidelity, and dependability. Now understand, all of those qualities are admirable qualities, but uh, if this older son only in, uh, embody them, these qualities, only for him to be uh, recognized and acknowledged, his motivation was misguided. And his incentive was incorrect. His older son's pride was not in that he was faithful to his father because of his love for his father. His pride was founded on the fact that he did what he was supposed to do and not for the reason he was supposed to do it. Family of God, I know this is a tough pill to swallow, but when we do what the Lord directs us to do, should not be because we are lauded and applauded and heralded by others. It should be because we are working and operating for an audience of one. Our good character, our good works, our good attitude, our faithfulness, our commitment should be for the Lord to observe and not Look around to others to be able to say, I, I, me, I. That's what the older son does. He points out to the father all that he had done in and of himself. This older son that was lost, that had never left home, was focused on his performance, he was blinded by his pride. And then he was concerned 
about his piece of the pie. I, I need you to stay with me. Now you have to listen closely to the conversation between this oldest son and his father. If you're not paying close attention, you will miss something that is significant. It says again, beginning of verse 25, Now his oldest son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, asked what these things meant. And he said to him, uh, Your brother has come, and because he's have, he has re received him uh, safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. Would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've never, I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Listen to verse 30. But as soon as this son of yours came, who was de who has devoured your devoured rather your livelihood with harlots? You killed the fatted calf for him. Now there are some nuances in this text, and if not closely observed, you will miss its significance and substance. If you remember, in the previous portion of this parable, the youngest son requests his inheritance, which would have been one-third of the father's resources. He goes to a far country, and he consumes those resources on riotous and wasteful living. Then while living beneath himself, the Bible says he comes to himself. He returns home with the conviction, I will tell my father, I am not worthy to be your son. Please make me one of your hired servants. The father greets him with hugs and kisses, commands his servants to bring him the best robe in the household, put a ring on his finger, likely with the family signet and seal, put sandals on his feet and kill the fatted calf so that we can eat and be merry. Now pay close attention when the other son hears the merriment. The father pursues the oldest son and says we're rejoicing because your brother has returned he's dead he was dead now he's alive again he was lost and now he's found now i want to pay i want you to pay close attention to what i'm trying to get you to understand uh, the father says your brother has returned and the older brother replies your son the father says your brother has returned the older brother says your son. Yeah, Drew, he was throwing some shade. Yeah. Now, what we have to understand, if the younger son, 
son returned as a servant, it would not have affected the older son's inheritance. But now that the father has restored the younger to sonship, the older son had to recalculate his share of the piece of the pie of his father's inheritance. Now remember, uh, he left with one third and wasted it in riotous living. But now the father, because he restored him to sonship, had to give the youngest son one third of the two thirds that were left. Now you could do the math later. The point is this older brother, instead of rejoicing in his son's return, or his uh, in, in the youngest son's return, instead of rejoicing in his younger brother's restoration, he was now calculating his return on inheritance. He was concentrating on the worldly instead of rejoicing in the heavenly. He could not accept the fact that his brother had been lost and now was found. He was dead and now he's alive again. Yet this older lost son who never left home is concerned about a part of his father's inheritance. Because he was restored to sonship, he now had to give a part of his own inheritance to his younger brother. So this lost son who was at home, he was focused on his performance. He was blinded by his pride. He was concerned about his piece of the pie, the inheritance that he now had to again share with his younger son. And then the Bible tells us this son who was lost and at home refused to join the party. Verse 28 says, the older son was angry about the party. He was irritated and annoyed about the celebration. I've been here and I've been faithful. You never gave me a fatted calf to have a party with my friends. And the Bible says he wouldn't go into the house. and He would not join the rejoicing because his younger son, younger brother rather, had uh, returned and been restored. The Bible says he would not go in to the house. Uh, and I, 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 I don't understand myself, well maybe I do, why the older boy wouldn't join the party. Uh, because you don't join a party uh, if you've never had a party thrown on your behalf. Uh, this older boy uh, wouldn't 
join the party because he'd never been lost and had to be found. This older boy had never been alive and now, or dead rather, and is now alive again. Uh, but, but I want to say from my own personal experience and someone listening and watching today, I'll never refuse an invitation to the party of someone else who is lost and is now found, who is dead and is now alive. Uh, uh, because I have to confess uh, that at one time or another, uh-huh, I have been the subject of the party. Uh, did you hear what I said? Yes, Lord, I will never refuse the invitation to go to a party of someone who was lost and is now found. Uh -huh, I will uh, never refuse the invitation uh -huh, to join the party, uh, yes, Lord, uh, of someone uh, who was dead uh, and is now alive. Uh -huh, because uh, I've had uh, a party thrown uh, on my behalf. Yes, Lord, because at a few points in my life, last week and last month and last year and last decade, the Lord threw a party on my behalf because I was lost and he found me I was uh, dead but I'm alive yes Lord I'm gonna leave you alone because it's cold outside yes Lord but I need I need I need I need to know is there anybody here who will declare today I will not refuse the invitation to someone else's party because the Lord has thrown a party for me. Yes, Lord. I want to quote the songwriter once again. I was sinking deep in sin. I was far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within. I was sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea 
He heard my despairing cry from the waters. I said, from the waters, from the waters, he lifted me now safe, safe am I. It was love that lifted me when nothing else could help. It was love that lifted me. Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here who will declare today, uh, I'll be at your party. I'll be at your party. I'll be at your party. No matter how lost you get, no matter how far you get, I'll be at your party because the Lord threw me a party when I was lost and I became found and I'll tell him thank you. I'll give him glory. I'll tell him thank you. I'll give him glory. I'll tell him thank you. I'll give him glory. I'll tell him thank you. I'll give him glory. You ought to tell him thank you. You ought to tell him thank you. You ought to tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Tell him thank you. Thank you, 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 thank you. Tell him thank you. Thank you. You ought to shout at home right now. Lift your hands. Open your mouth. Tell him thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. One more time, when you look back over your life and think how the Lord brought you back in through your party for you, when you were lost and he found you, you ought to take about 10 seconds, lift your hands wherever you are, open your mouth, tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. 
Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my, mind, my, 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 my soul cries out, hallelujah, hallelujah. saving me Whoa 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 Whoa
even now, we extend the invitation. If you're watching or listening on today, and you've not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity to make your confession of faith. Romans 10 reminds us if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for the sins of the world, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So if you want to give your life, please call us at 402-451-1000, option 3. Or if you're saved but you don't have a church home and don't have a church family, this is your opportunity to be a part of the Lord's Church at the Salem Baptist Church. Please call us at 402-455-1000, option 3. Someone's waiting to hear your voice. We extend this invitation even now. that this worship experience has been a blessing to you on today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Lord, we are grateful and thankful for this privilege to worship you today in spirit and in truth. We pray, pray your blessings and protection upon the week to come. And now unto him who's able to keep us from falling and to present his fathers before his glory with exceeding great joy. To the only wise God be glory, dominion, and power both now and forever. And the people of God all across this city, all across this state, all across this country, and all across the world said together, amen, amen, and amen. We yet believe the best season of your life is just ahead.
Yes, I do. Everything's gonna be all right. 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 Come on, y'all. Say I believe. Come on. 